Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. A part of the American creation myth is the story that six-year-old George Washington said, I cannot tell a lie when he confessed to his father that he had cut down a cherry tree. Abraham Lincoln, Honest Abe, said, resolve to be honest at all events. And if in your own judgment you cannot be an honest lawyer, resolve to be, an, to be honest without being a lawyer. But American presidents have lied throughout our history, although Donald Trump appears to have taken political lying to a level few imagined possible before 2015. His personal lawyer explained that the truth isn't the truth. Kellyanne Conway excused his lies as alternative facts. And just this past week, after Joe Biden announced Kamala Harris would be his running mate, President Trump pounced on a new conspiracy theory about Senator Harris's eligibility for office. Eric Alterman relates the history of American presidential dishonesty in his latest book, Lying in State, Why Presidents Lie and Why Trump is Worse. It's published by Basic Books, and I'm very pleased that it brings Brooklyn College professor and longtime columnist at The Nation, Eric Alterman, to our show now. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So you speak. begin you begin with an attempt to define uh, the word lie and how it applies to presidential lies by distinguishing between different kinds of lies, misinformation, disinformation, bald-faced lies, and a word that we can't say on the air, BS. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I do. There there. are kind of philosophical definitions. I didn't, I didn't even know about the philosophical category of bald-faced lies until I started researching this book. And the word BS is also a philosophical hmm. category in this case. It uh, was defined by Harry Frankfurt in a book with that title published by uh, Princeton University Press, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, um, look, lying has always been a part of politics, just like money's always been a part of politics. Not every single president lied. A few of them, I couldn't find any lies. Um, and a, lot, a few of them tried really hard not to lie. Interestingly, um, the ones who didn't lie, they didn't do any better. They don't do any better with historians or with the public than the ones who did. It doesn't buy you anything uh, with Americans to tell the truth. Uh, but um, to, uh, we've always had a problem with what kinds of lies we can allow, we, we can live and what kinds we can't. It's very hard to define your president. But with Donald Trump, that, that the, those kinds of calculations have gone out the window because uh, he just lies a little about everything. Um, Lyndon Johnson lied about Vietnam, you know, and it, it was a disaster. And uh, millions of people were killed and uh, 57,000 Americans. But with Donald Trump, everything was Vietnam. Everything was a disaster and everything is built on lies. Now, parents teach their children not to lie, although they then go on to lie to their children. But uh, we could understand that. Why do so many American journalists find it difficult to call an official's lie a lie or use or or one of using euphemisms rather than just calling a lie a lie? Are they, in effect, abetting official lying by failing to challenge the president or other top officials or by using those euphemisms? They are, for sure. But there are a lot of reasons for it. In the first place, 
Um, what journalists will say is that we don't, we can't call someone a liar without knowing their intent. So it could be that Donald Trump thinks he's telling the truth in the 300 or so times he'll tell the very same lie. Uh, it's possible. They can't know it. Uh, the second reason is they want to show respect for the office of the presidency. And calling someone a liar is believed to be disrespectful for uh, they'd much rather be lied to. And then another reason, uh, I give four reasons. Another reason is that they're afraid they could cause some sort of crisis if they uh, tell the truth when the president is lying, that they don't understand. Usually this has to do with national security, but not always. And then the fourth reason is the uh, journalistic uh, ideology of objectivity, where it's not their job. Uh, and, and this is true of many journalists today. It's true, I would say, of the New York Times top journalist. It's not their job to say what's true and what's not true. It's their job to give both sides and let the reader uh, or the listener or the viewer figure out what's true. But hasn't and, he uh, thrown down the... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to ask, hasn't he thrown down the gauntlet when he complains about fake news and calls journalists the enemy of the people? Doesn't that free them to some degree? Uh, the last thing that uh, mainstream journalists want to be seen as is as part of the resistance, as what Trump is describing them as. So they, the more he, he's, what he's doing there actually is a phrase I've used in other works of mine. He's working the refs. He's accusing them of being against him so that they go bend over backwards to be nicer to him. And it works. And the late Washington Post editor Ben Bradley said that, quote, even the very best newspapers have never learned how to handle public figures who lie with a straight face. So it's a matter of lying with a straight face. Bill Clinton said about his relationship with Monica Lewinsky, there's nothing going on between us. And then he defended that assertion later by saying it depends on what the meaning of the word is is. <laughs> so yeah. do we need to get clear on what the word lie is? Well, I use a def different definition of lie than uh, mainstream journalists do. I don't, I don't care about trying to determine someone's intent, a president. I, I make a judgment as to whether or not the president or any, or any public figure, if it's, if it's uh, his or her responsibility to know the truth. And then if they, if they don't, uh, communicate that truth. I call it a lie. You can you can lie without saying a word. You can lie by letting your underlings lie for you. You know, uh, I don't believe in plausible deniability. I believe in either communicating what you understand to be true or not. The catch is is that sometimes a lie is the right thing to do. This is. I think we talked about my first book on lying, which yeah. came out 16 years ago, and that was part of my doctoral dissertation. And I studied four lies in that case, uh, in great detail. And um, I came to the conclusion then that president should never lie. But actually, today, I'm less certain of that. Um, I look at Roosevelt lying to help get us into World War II, and I'm glad he did it. Um, I look at Kennedy lying to solve the Cuban Missile Cross Crisis. I'm glad he did it. In both cases, they never came clean about their lies, and that turned out to be a big problem. But uh, I'm glad the world wasn't blown up, and I'm glad the Nazis didn't win the World War World War II. And I'm not sure those things would have been possible if the presidents had told the truth in real time. 
Just a month ago, the Washington Post reported that President Trump made over 20,000 false or misleading claims, and there have been many more since. He's averaging about 23 false claims per day. Um, uh, obviously, Roosevelt, Kennedy, none of the others ever lied on that level. Nobody, nobody. I don't, I don't think very few people alive have ever lied on that level. I mean, Donald Trump, he's, he's entirely uh, agnostic about the truth and lies. He just doesn't care. And what's interesting about him, I mean, there are a lot of interesting things about him. He's a psychopath. But one interesting thing about him in this case is that he he, he doesn't lie for any particular purpose. Like, he, he, he had a meeting with Justin Trudeau, and they argued about trade, and, and Trump lied to him and said our trade balance is whatever he wanted him to think it was. And they came out of the meeting, and he said, I lied to him, you know, to the, to the media. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the point of lying to someone if you're going to come out and admit that you lied to them five minutes later? He, Trump is all about his, his time horizon is five minutes long at best. So he just wants to win the next five minutes, and he doesn't care that he's been proven to be a liar or or a conspiracy theorist or whatever he's proven to be five minutes later. He just wants to win that minute. And so but, if it takes a lie, he, he's happy to do it. And don't forget, Leonard, he, he comes out of the world of New York real estate hmm. where nobody expects to be told the truth about anything. You know, you have to check absolutely everything. Um, that's, they, they admire each other for the lies they tell, particularly in commercial real estate. But last so, week, SV Date, yeah. the, the Huffington Post senior White House correspondent, asked President Trump whether he regretted, quote, all the lying. Uh, and after pretending he hadn't heard the question, Trump just turned to another reporter who asked an entirely different question. Um, is that the first time that reporters have actually challenged Trump about lying per se, rather than just simply challenging some of the, the quote, facts? Uh, I think it is, yeah. I mean, as I said, they're they're and you said uh, they're incredibly reluctant to use the word. Um, at one point, uh, very early, right after um, Trump became president, he he was going on and on about uh, all the illegal voters in California, and that's why he lost the popular vote. And he just made this up. Um, it turned out when they had asked, people asked for a source, it, he had heard literally sixthand from a German golfer. That people were voting who didn't look like they should be. That was his source, um, and uh, and he he said it once, and then it was proven to be false, and then he said it again uh, a few weeks later, and, um, and and he said it in a meeting with uh, congressional staff, with, with congressmen, and it leaked out, and uh, and there's a in the in the book there's a a, a page or two about what every single newspaper and magazine called Trump's lie. Uh, interestingly, the New York Times, in its news pages, called it a lie, which they then didn't do again for years. That one was a lie to them. But mm-hmm. they, were the, they were alone. They were the only people in their headline who used the word lie or in the first paragraph of their story. Everybody else said, you know, it's conflicted by other information and so forth. And... Um, and Trump's not, you know, Trump is a, he's kind of a Frankenstein monster. He, he's not self-invented. He's been built out of uh, the past, I'd say, 40 years of the media deciding not to hold uh, particularly Republican p- 
politicians accountable. And they've gotten away with more and more and more. So uh, beginning with Ronald Reagan, going into uh, a whole other category with Newt Gingrich. And then under Obama, they were completely irresponsible about what they said in terms of it being the truth, and it worked. So Trump came in and said, uh, Obama was born in, um, you know, Kenya. And, uh, and a majority of Republicans ended up believing that. And, and he, he was able to do that because of this foundation of lies that uh, the press and the Republicans had built together over this period of decades. Don't some reporters argue that Republicans and Democrats are equally guilty of lying? Uh, uh, over the course of our history, have Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives, been roughly equally dishonest? Um, I think you could make that case up till Reagan. Um, I think uh, Lyndon Johnson was as dishonest as any president, uh, but not Jimmy Carter, not Bill Clinton, not Barack Obama. Um, they were pretty honest. Uh, ironically, Clinton was quite honest, except for when it came to his sex life. Um, and Nixon, Nixon was about on par with uh, Johnson. And then, but when you get to Reagan, even Ford told quite a few lies. He doesn't get credit for the line he did. Um, George H.W. Bush, who's considered to be Mr. Honorable Republican, told quite a few lies. So I would say if you added up, uh, even pre-Trump, if you added up the presidential lies, uh, beginning with the Reagan administration, or even with the Carter administration, uh, there wouldn't be any contest. It would be, you know, like 100 to 1. Do Trump voters believe Trump even when uh, what he says is blatantly untrue? Are, are they buying his lies or do they well, simply not care? To, that's where we get to the category of the bald face lie, which, again, is a new philosophical category that I think most people are not familiar with. I, I researched the book for quite a while before I came across it. Um, a bald face lie is a lie that someone tells where the person who's being lied to knows that they're being lied to. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really function as a lie. It functions as something else. Um, you know, it functions as psychological reinforcement or some other form of communication. The problem with knowing what's a ball face lie and what isn't is that you, in person who's being lied to, can't admit that they're, that they know they're being lied to because that's, that gives up the game, number one. And number two, it's humiliating. So, so uh, I'm sure that a great number of Trump supporters know they're being lied to and are, are, are cool with it because they, they appreciate the values and the anger and the, the underlying politics that go along with these lies. But we can't know because they don't say, yes, he's lying. They, they, they pretend to believe him or they they act as if they believe him, even if, if they know it's false. Well, the New York you know, Times. Be, I wrote a Nation column uh, this week about the Wall Street Journal. And it used to be that on the Wall Street Journal editorial page, they would be completely ideological and therefore oftentimes false uh, to appeal to their readership, which was you know mostly businessmen. And true in their news pages. The news pages were, were great. They were very trustworthy. Um, and and the, the, the editorial pages were kind of flattery, uh, ideological flattery for its readers. But the people who had to make decisions about what to do with their companies knew better than to take them seriously. 
Mm. Um, and they, they read the news pages for what they needed to know. And, um, and I think that that's the case uh, with Trump's lying for a lot of people, that they, they, know, what, they know what the purpose is. And, uh, I mean, look, you look at the journalists in this country, they're not radical hippies. They're not communists. They're not the enemies of the people. But it, it, it's satisfying to people to pretend that they are, to feel that they are, even if they know it's not true. It's psychologically very complicated, and I'm not a psychologist. And but you once wrote a book it, called What Liberal Media? Yes, I did. It's a great book. Still get a little check for that <laughs> book uh, 18 years later. Well, the, yeah, no. uh, the, go ahead. I was right, going to say no, the New, New York Times quoted a 77-year-old Trump supporter as saying he's done more than any president I've ever known. But isn't that based on claims that the president has made about his own performance? Um, well, it's also based on what Fox. Don't forget, uh, Trump has um, an entire structure of people supporting his lies. Uh, Fox News, Breitbart, these other little networks that he now likes better than Fox News, the OAN network, um, and and they're they're reinforcing these lies. They're, the Wall Street Journal does uh, editorial page does this too. So um, so it's not clear. Again, we have no idea to what degree his supporters believe his lies or not. But if they want to believe his lies, they get all kinds of of reinforcement for this. And and again. The mainstream media are not willing to say you're lying. I mean, when these guys go on the Sunday shows and they and, and they lie, no no host ever says, "Wait a minute, stop it, you're lying." When 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 it happened a couple of times recently with Trump, it was really shocking with uh, Chris Wallace and Jonathan Swan of Axios. But uh, even in those interviews, Trump got away with lie after lie after lie, and uh, they couldn't keep up with him. So it, in the Trump case, it's become an epidemic, and um, <laughs> and and a pandemic. I quote Hannah Arendt in the in the end of the book, uh, talking about totalitarianism, and she says that what dictators need to do is to destroy the very idea of truth, so that there's no mm-hmm. distinction at all between truth and and falsehood, and that way they can get, they can do anything they want. And I, and I think Trump has an instinctive uh, feel for this that he's he's actually an incipient dictator. Even though he doesn't, he 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 would be a very effective fascist leader without understanding what fascism is. He just has a he just has an instinct for it. I don't and, know if uh, he knows how to spell it. Sure. <laughs> um, um, this is Leonard Lopate at large on WBAI New York ninety nine point five FM streaming at WBAI.org. My guest is Eric Alterman, whose latest book is eleventh is lying in state, why presidents lie and why Trump is worse, published by Basic Books. You mentioned uh, FDR lying about without apology, but let's look at some of the others. Uh, You note that Washington's only discernible lie uh, as president arose from his role as a beneficiary of the institution of slavery. Yeah. I first, mean, other than shutting down the apple tree, or the cherry tree, which probably never happened. That didn't happen. That was that was a hagiographic invention uh, of the very first bar- presidential biographer, which came many years after Washington was dead. Um, the story I tell of the first uh, century or century and a half of, of presidential lying 
is that first of all, you have like politicians lie. They lie to get elected. They lie for a lot of reasons. Uh, everywhere and anywhere. Like they lied in Rome, they lied in Greece, they lied in the Renaissance. Okay. Um, the, the United States of America had two particular reasons why a president was structurally forced to lie. One was um, white supremacy. It says, in the it says in the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal. Presidents always talk about in those terms. We teach our school children that. But of course it isn't true and it wasn't true. Um, in terms of how the law treated uh, Americans of color, at first they were enslaved, the Native Americans were, you know, killed, and uh, and not treated as human beings. So it was necessary to lie because of that contradiction. Um, the president couldn't come out and say, "Yeah, we we're not going to take this treaty seriously." We're Oops, I'm. We just lost him, but I'm going to mention, well, tell everyone that my guest is Eric Alterman, who uh, has written, well, his 11th book, Lying in State, Why Presidents Lie and Why Trump is Worse. He is a CUNY distinguished professor. You're back. Eric, you're back. I'm back. I don't know what happened. Uh -huh. Last well, week, you know, this is welcome to life. Welcome to life under the pandemic. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, even even the the major television stations sometimes uh, lose the signal. So I guess I, I can't feel all that awful about it. But you were talking about so uh, slavery and council. Washington lying about uh, having slaves so that he could uh, live in in Virginia, where it didn't, where you couldn't have slaves at that moment, right? Well, no, he wanted to transfer them through Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. where and if a slave spent too much time in Pennsylvania, he was automatically free. Uh -huh. So he pretended to shuttle them uh, in and out of the state uh, so that, uh, you know, because there was temporary capital in Philadelphia. Um, and uh, but he didn't really shuttle them. He just did it on paper. And that way he wouldn't have to bother sending his slaves home and bringing them back because they were his favorite slaves. That's what he lied about. And he knew he was lying. So um, he definitely lied. Now, Eisenhower, uh, anyway, Eisenhower know, lied. Did, did you hear Go me ahead. talking about white supremacy? Yes, you did. Did that make we, it we, in? We, of course. Okay. So the two, the, two, uh, the two main reasons that presidents had to lie, um, and all, just about all presidents lied, uh, were uh, white supremacy, the protection of white supremacy, and the need for constant expansion. So uh, beginning with Thomas Jefferson, uh, third president, well, actually, with, beginning with John Adams, second president, presidents were always lying on behalf of expansion. Later, that became empire under uh, Teddy Roosevelt. And, uh, and then, you know, in the Cold War, uh, this incredibly, um, this, this incredibly uh, grotesque definition of uh, quote-unquote national security required presidents to lie, which is an extension of empire, which is an extension of expansion. So very few presidents escape this trap of not telling lies. I mean, uh, Obama didn't really, I mean, Obama told very few lies. Obama told 12 lies in eight years. Uh, I wouldn't even call them lies, but 12 falsehoods in eight years, uh, which Trump, you know, does, can do in 10 minutes. 
Um, but a lot of them involved uh, American empire. Clinton, again, it's hard to find Clinton lying. But when you do, aside from Monica Lewinsky, it's always about empire. Jimmy Carter, same thing. Jimmy Carter was incredibly truthful um, to the point of really hurting himself politically. But even he got caught uh, on uh, lying about the foreign wars that uh, the United States was involved in. So, um, so if you're going to have an empire in either the United States, you have to lie about it. Uh, when you say president. empire, are you talking about foreign policy? Because so many of the things that you that you cite, Eisenhower lying about the Soviet downing of Gary Powers and American U-2 spy planes, Kennedy lying about the Bay of Pigs and the Cuban Missile Crisis, LBJ and Nixon about Vietnam, Reagan about Iran-Contra, Bush about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Uh, so uh, in, in all these cases, uh, they, uh, they, they've lied to justify war, the USS Maine, the Gulf of Tonkin, uh, Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction. Uh, didn't President yeah. Kennedy assert a right to lie? Uh, President Kennedy asserted, well, his press secretary asserted a right to lie during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um, and, uh, and he's right. I mean, if you, would you rather have your president lie or would you rather have nuclear war? I mean, the, pres, the, the Constitution uh, has been famously called not a suicide pact. So if, you, if national security required, if the protection of the country, saving the world, requires a temporary falsehood, then that's okay. I mean, diplomacy can't be conducted out in the open in any case. It's better not to lie, but occasionally lying can be the right thing to do. The problem with presidential lying, and we're trying to figure out what kind of lies we can live with and what kind we can't, is that they build on one another. If you look at Lyndon Johnson in Vietnam, he was lying from the beginning, but he got caught up in his lies and he had to keep lying in order to pretend that he hadn't lied in the first place. And he kept addressing an imaginary situation and letting the actual situation in Vietnam get worse and worse. And that's what happens to presidents. They're, they're lies because the president's words are so important. They create their own reality. But the reality that they're lying about doesn't change necessarily, or doesn't certainly not improve. So the problem metastasizes in, in both ends, and you end up with the worst of all possible worlds. That's what usually happens. But you can't make a blanket statement about it, because every once in a while, it turns out to be absolutely necessary. In The Best and the Brightest, David Halberstam wrote that Robert McNamara invented numbers to support his positions. McNamara, he wrote, dissembled even within the bureaucracy. It was part of his sense of service. It was all right to lie and dissemble for the right causes. So how can we tell when uh, whether an official is lying for what they think is a just cause or whether they're lying to protect their butts? And we often well, disagree over just what causes are just. You know, you can't. It's just, we have the same problem with censorship. You have to have a, a certain amount of censorship in a in a modern society because you can't you can't tell crazy people where the nuclear weapons are and stuff. You know, but the problem with giving people the power to censor is that they're going to take advantage of it for their own personal reasons. That's human nature. Same thing with lying. Um, they're they're going to lie. You know, they're, they're, Alan Dershowitz made the case that 
nothing a president can do is illegal if he thinks he's doing it for the good of the country. And that includes helping himself get reelected. So if and we know what Trump did, we know that Trump tried to get the um, Ukrainians to interfere in our elections. Dershowitz said that's totally kosher and constitutional because Trump is convinced that only he can save the country and therefore whatever he does to get reelected is is perfectly all right. Well, that's insane. But um, the, the, the fact is, is that presidents of the United States, almost all of them, not all of them, but almost all of them, feel that the most important thing in the world for the good of the country is for them to be reelected and to be appear to be successful <laughs> and therefore to lie for their own personal interests is the same as lying for the good of the country. And so they have a lot of trouble separating these two things. And, you know, you can see it. If you were, if you were Jimmy Carter, who, who again was remarkably truthful, but if you were Jimmy Carter and you were looking at Ronald Reagan, you say, Oh my God, this crazy guy could be president. Whatever I do to make sure I'm the next president is for the good of the country. Uh, that would make a lot of sense to me where I have Jimmy Carter at the time. He didn't lie and he wasn't reelected. But do you think right. that some presidents and other politicians believed idealistic claims about the U.S. and lied to keep up appearances? For example, George W. Bush asserted that the United States does not torture. Does he really believe that? Or perhaps uh, he hadn't been filled in on what was going on in Guantanamo? You know, I'm not... Uh... I really avoid this kind of psychoanalyzing of the lies because I'm not care. I don't care about their intent. I care about what is their responsibility to know. That makes it a much simpler job for me. Um, again, you can't even tell if Trump knows that he's lying because he's such a nut. Because uh, he, you know, he 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 doesn't even understand the concept of truth and falsehood. We 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 got we started getting this problem with Ronald Reagan, who who was considered kind of. Um, a little bit, you know, he was always, he like had Alzheimer's before he had Alzheimer's. He was called oh. disengaged. And, uh, and, and, they, and they used to talk about him like he was a child. He would make up stories and then he would believe them. He told people that he had liberated Auschwitz when he Hold never on, left California. Crow? But he seemed to believe it. And, and there wasn't anything like the, the media found themselves helpless before this. Because he seemed really to believe it, so you couldn't call him a liar, even though it was completely nutty. And if, you know, wow. if my dad told me that he had liberated Auschwitz, I would <laughs> put him away. Yeah. We have to take a little break. This is Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM, streaming on WBAI.org. Before we get back to my conversation with Eric Alterman, I'd like to ask you to consider contributing to the station to help us survive the current economic crisis that we're facing because of the pandemic. Uh, we need all of our listeners who are financially able to step up right now. 
go to our website, give2wbai.org. That's give and then the number 2wbai.org. Or call 516-620-3602 to help keep this show and this station on the air. Again, that number is 516-620-3602. The website, give2wbai.org. And one really great way to support WBAI throughout the year and also spread out your own financial commitment so that it's only a small amount taken out of your credit card or your bank account each month is to become a sustaining member, what we call a BAI buddy. So please, uh, well, let me bring on um, my executive producer, Jesse uh, Lent, to tell you about more about uh, becoming a BAI buddy. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Leonard. Great to be here. Yes. So as regular listeners might know by the sound of my voice, that means today is one of those special days where we can say if you sign up to become a BAI buddy, you will get a free copy of the book Leonard has been discussing today that's Lying in State why presidents lie and why trump is worse by our guest eric alterman just came out on august 11th we will send this to you if you call 516-620-3602 or go to the web at give to wbai.org that's give then the number two wbai.org and tell them that you want to become a bai buddy Again, that's a sustaining member of the station who makes a contribution of $10 or more every month, whatever amount you want, taken out of whichever account you'd like, your credit card, your debit card, whatever's easiest for you. You can stop at any time. And it's just one of the best ways, like Leonard was saying, uh, to show your support for the show and for the station. Uh, and, you know, just most importantly, just remember that's all you've got to do. You you don't have to tell the person on the other end. Again, the number is 516-620-3602. Uh, you don't have to tell that person anything about this book. You don't have to put it down on the web. You, there's no boxes to check. If you go to give to WBAI.org, give them the number to WBAI.org. Just by signing up today uh, to become a BAI buddy, a sustaining member, again, uh, in the name of Leonard Lopate at Large, you will automatically get this. This is Monday, August 17th that I'm saying this. If you, uh, if you call uh, right now, uh, we would love to send you lying in state, why presidents lie and why Trump is worse. And I think it's easy to tell this context is very helpful, this his historical context, to sort of understanding how different our current president is from those that came before him. Wouldn't you agree, Leonard? Absolutely. But remember, there's another uh, factor here, and that is that WBAI is dependent 100 percent on our listener support. Oh, we don't take ads. We don't uh, take foundation grants or whatever the um, we just simply ask you, our listeners, to come through for us to keep public radio, this incredible experiment of public radio, alive. Uh, it's already been 60 years. It's, we are, I think we have a lot to be proud of, but we want to be able to continue. And I'm particularly proud of what we do on this show. If you enjoy it, please give us that call now. Okay? It's not Jesse, a lie, anything else right, you want to say? It's, it's, not at all. It's, 
It's no lie that, yes, 100% of our contributions are from listeners, no corporate sponsorship, no donations. That's why we can do these hour-long interviews. Any commercial, you know, uh, bigwig is going to tell you, oh, well, it's more profitable to do a couple segments in an hour. The whole format of this show and the fact it's coming to you on terrestrial radio is because we're able to do this because of that support. The drawback is us, the sound of our voice right now. We really need your help. So whatever level you step up, uh, even, you know, whether, whether you want us to send you a free copy of the book, that's the way we're trying to pay you back for your generosity here uh, by becoming a BAI buddy in the name of the show or whatever level you can contribute. A big thanks from all of us at the show and all of us at BAI because you are the way we stay on the air. So thanks. And remember to do it in the name of Leonard Lopez at large if you want to get a copy of the book. Thank you, Jesse. And I want to go back to Eric Alterman, his uh, latest book, Living, Lying in State, Why Presidents Lie and Why Trump is Worse from Basic Books. You mentioned a previous book, one that uh, was published 15 years ago, uh, When Presidents Lie, um, most uh, when that came out, most of the archives of the Reagan Library were closed to scholars. And President George W. Bush had uh, issued an executive order in 2003, making it easier uh, for the offices of the president and vice president to keep things secret. Has that changed? Well, it's been fought. You know, these things are fought on a case by case basis. I can't really uh, answer that question. I did. Well, all when my, President uh, Obama issued executive orders. Didn't President Obama issue Executive Order 13526 in December 2009 that revoked President Bush's order to create the National Declassification Center? Uh, but, um, but he also tried to keep things secret. That. I, I don't remember. But, yeah. but even so, the individual agencies, particularly the CIA are, and the State Department, are notoriously slow. And also, um, I mean, they're, 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 these things are not funded. The, de the declassification processes are not funded. And so even if they are legally uh, available, they're not literally available in a lot of cases. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, they can tie you up uh, enormously uh, before they release things that prove embarrassing. I, I should say that my archival research was done back in 2000 or earlier, and that uh, in this book, I'm relying on the work of my fellow historians by and large. Mm. And, uh, and it's interesting, actually. I haven't talked about this anywhere else, but most presidential historians are not interested in lies. I have, hmm. to, I have to read between the lines to figure out what they were lying about because they, they, tend, to, um, they tend to become attached to their subjects and they don't want to think of them as liars. They don't point out lies. Now, there's, there's nasty books about presidents, too, like particularly about Reagan and Bush, but those people are nastier or angrier about what they did rather than what they said. So there's almost no, I mean, I, I kind of have this feel to myself. I think. Philosophers distinguish lies of commission from lies of omission. Isn't a great deal of political lying simply omission of facts? Uh, yeah, well, that's the difference between misinformation and disinformation. Misinformation is they don't give you the right information, and disinformation is they lie on purpose. And misinformation can be as deadly as disinformation. But 
presidents have such a wide berth on telling the truth uh, that they can use both without really getting in any trouble. I mean, very few presidents ever gotten any trouble for lying. They get in trouble for, for screwing up, and then mm-hmm. the lies become significant. Um, you know, Clinton uh, Clinton lied about the wrong things. Right? He lied about having sex with a young woman in the in the Oval Office or next to it. Uh, if he had had like a, you know, if he had done, if he had lied about national security, he would have been fine. Um, and Bush uh, <laughs> was lying about getting us into George W. Bush was lying about getting us into Iraq, but it only became important once Iraq went sour. His father lied about uh, the Iraq war that he fought too, but that seemed to go well. So people didn't mind it so much. But everybody went along with the idea of weapons of mass destruction until no one could find any. So yeah, well, by then, but, but but most 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 of the yeah. president. There there's some honorable exceptions, but yeah. If journalists are failing to, ch- if ger- journalists Tom are failing Friedman. to challenge, you, go ahead. Tom Friedman wrote a column saying, "I don't care that he lied about weapons of mass destruction. We needed to go in there and kick some ass and whatever whatever." Wow. Uh, whatever was necessary to get us to do it was cool. And the Washington Post editorial page, and their unsigned editorial said the same thing. Lies were not, lies were okay. Lies were acceptable. They wouldn't use the word lie. They would say exaggerate or, or, mm-hmm. or you know, they, they would take some other word. But they didn't mind being lied to because they supported the policy. If journalists are failing to challenge the president and his administration to speak truth to power, aren't members of Congress and the judiciary also culpable? Well, that's what the journalists' excuse is. They say if we can't, if if the opposition party isn't willing to create a, to create an issue over this, we have nothing to cover. We can't do it on our own. We need the conflict that they create. So they would point to that as the first problem. And, you know, politicians, by and large, they, they see their job as to get reelected. So if a popular president is lying, or if, if a president is lying for a popular reason, then they're, they're not apt to take him on for it, because people won't like it. It will hurt their popularity. They don't have anything to gain from it. Again, if you look at Clinton, I mean, really, so what? So, so he lied about an affair. I mean... If you're going to commit adultery, you're going to have to lie about it. That's the way it is. And in fact, a majority of American married men have committed adultery. Certainly a majority of presidents have. Um, so, But people didn't like the fact that he had an affair with this young woman who was an intern. He did it in the Oval Office. That was seen as objectionable. I agree. I also find it objectionable. So well, he had done others. I, I interviewed Jennifer Flowers what? once, and she said on the air, I think, maybe it was off the air, if he had just dumped that fat ass, whatever, and married me, none of this would have happened. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we know about, uh, I'm not 100% sure, so I don't want to be quoted on this, but most people think that George H.W. Bush had a long-term affair with a woman who, who gets named on occasion. And she was a classy dame, you know, and people approved of it. And, uh, and so it never became an issue, whereas Clinton had an affair with this young thing who, who um, was not classy at the time. She's become, I think, an incredibly classy person. Uh, 
but uh, until people kissed, kissed it, and and it became uh, he he became an object of derision, and we almost had a constitutional crisis over it. So a lot of it, a lot of the uh, fighting about lying that we do in our in our politics has nothing to do with the actual fact of lying. It has to do with the kind of lying that a president is telling. Does unchallenged lying, in effect, shield the president from accountability? The press is limited in, in how it can challenge the, the president. And if William Barr is right, it's only the voters uh, who have elections uh, that who can really challenge him. Uh, I mean, I know Congress has impeachment, uh, although we see where that goes sometimes. Uh, no president has ever really been impeached. Uh, what about the judiciary? Is the president protected because well, so well, many well, of the well. federal judiciary are his appointees? Okay, you can answer. Give me a long answer to all of that. I threw out a lot of things there. First of all, two presidents have been impeached. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, impeached out of office. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, the thing about impeachment is that there's no definition of what an impeachable offense is. So you can impeach a president for anything at all, if you can get the votes to impeach the president. Um, lying is certainly not uh, understood to be a category that um, that would invite impeachment. When Neil Young wrote that song about George Bush, let's impeach the president for lying, he, he shouldn't have written it that way. He should have <laughs> chosen another. Um, but uh, look, the people... I think it's incumbent on the press. Now, our press, I have a great deal of sympathy for the mainstream media because they're getting it from all sides and, and, and very few institutions are even, you know, assured of their, of their medium-term survival. They're all, they're all staring in the face of uh, uh, a financial apocalypse. We have now fewer than half the reporters and editorial employees that we had um, 15 years ago. And it's getting worse and worse every day. And all of the all of the power is going just to a few institutions like the Post and the Times Journal. Um, so I feel I feel their pain. It's it's a badly paying job. It's it's you get very few, you know, not much appreciation. The Boston Globe a few years ago they wanted the reporters to deliver the paper like paper boys. <laughs> uh, it stinks, but. Uh, but the thing is, is that it's the media's job to stand up for truth. Politicians are always going to make self-interested calculations. It's the, it's the job of the journalist. That's why they have, we have a First Amendment, to say, here's what's true. I don't care what these SOBs are saying over there. This is, you need to understand the truth. And they're very reluctant to do that. They don't really believe in truth. They believe in he said, she said. They believe in both sides. Peter Baker is on record uh, uh, New York Times, most important, he, together with Margot Haberman, uh, the two most important um, correspondents for the White House, Baker's on record saying, I don't, I don't, it's not my job to figure out what's true. It's not my job to tell people what to believe. It's just my job to print what they say. And I think that's, uh, that's fundamentally, the problem, fundamentally the problem. Because uh, you've got, on the one hand, this entire news structure uh, with Fox and all its allies saying, the president's lies are true. And then the mainstream is saying, well, maybe they're true, maybe they're not. The Democrats say they're not. The president says they are. What are you going to do? And so they, 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 they gain their own power over time. 
and, and, and the lies become treated as truth, even though everybody knew they were a lie when he said them in the first place. And uh, that's how Trump has, has succeeded as, as well as he has so far. I mean, we're well, not uh, well, the virus and the, and the uh, financial collapse that accompanied it. I think Trump would be a very good bet for re-election, even though everybody knows he's a pathological liar. Often when people talk about uh, what Fox does, they then counterbalance it with what MSNBC does, although I don't see them as uh, equal, that, that is an equal balance. But that's well, the that's kind the of, fundamental that's difference. the way we describe, the discuss things. The fundamental difference is that they lie. Fox lies. MSC, MSC doesn't lie. They might be biased, but they don't lie. Fox lies to your face. It's a very important distinction. There's been talk about post-truth politics. Does post-truth refer to a rise in dishonesty or something broader, like changes in how politicians try to appeal to voters? Well, I, I think I, I, I'm the first person to call to name the post-truth presidency in the conclusion to my 2004 book when I was describing George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. That, and, and what I meant by that was what I was talking about earlier, where the Washington Post and Tom Friedman, Tom Friedman is the most important foreign policy pundit we have, um, and the Washington Post are saying, we don't really care if the president was telling the truth. That's not what's important. We support the policy. So they were dismissing the importance of truth um, as, as secondary to whether or not it was something they could support. So that's, that's, uh, that, that has metastasized since Bush under the uh, presidency of Obama, where the Republicans just threw everything at the wall and you know whatever would stick. And it turned out that what stuck was an outrageous racist lie that, um, that Trump was telling about Obama that galvanized the Republican Party. And now they're trying to do the same thing with Kamala Harris, uh, even yeah, though it's and, and, been made and quite we'll clear see, we'll that see, she we'll is see. an American citizen. Right. And, and you've got, you know, there's a big, there's a big uh, controversy about Newsweek running an article mm. saying maybe it's true. Um, I would, was Newsweek that irresponsible? Absolutely. But, you know, Newsweek is not what people think of as Newsweek. It's been taken over by a series of, of owners that have no journalistic uh, bona fides at all. And it's just kind of a, a uh, clickbait operation. And that got a lot of clicks. But um, I, I think, you know, there are there, there, there enormous number of weaknesses in the coverage of the 2016 election that allowed Trump to sneak through. One was the obsession with Hillary's emails and the other one was allowing Trump to define the terms, in other words, so that we had to even wonder if Obama had been uh, born in Kenya. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it got really ridiculous. There was a there was a significant minority of Republican voters. When I say significant, I mean a prop forty percent, who who said that they believe that Hillary Clinton was running a pedophile operation out of a pizza parlor in Washington D.C. and and. And a guy even went to this pizza place, Comet Pizza, with a gun to liberate the kids from the pedophile operation that Hillary Clinton was supposedly running. So that was possible because the uh, the definition of truth had been stretched so far um, by the main by the mainstream media, by Fox, by Breitbart, that these crazy people um, were able to 
bring their message home through we haven't talked yet much about social media but and, and uh, we and we don't know. have time to <laughs> but QAnon uh, right, but was what that, the that what Facebook spread has, that and we now have Facebook. a woman who's a QAnon supporter who's going to be in congress right but more significant than that facebook has invited politicians to lie on facebook they say we're not going to fact check political ads you can say whatever you want just give us your money and and uh and so, and they, and they direct people. Like there's a, if you, if you deny the Holocaust on Facebook, they will connect you to other Holocaust denial sites so that you'll stay on as long as you can because your interest is in denying the Holocaust. So the same goes with uh, political lies. The more lies you tell, the more Facebook sends you more lies because that's what keeps you online and that's how they make their money. So it's a terrible, terrible problem. I mean, Facebook is is probably the single most important news source in, in America and in the world. And, and we're yet, we're out of yeah, time. Yeah. But I should point okay. out that when you're not writing about politics, you seem to spend a fair amount of time posting old music videos on Facebook. So that's another part that's what, of that's, the. That's my one contribution to humankind <laughs> is the music I post on Facebook. So thank you so everybody much. Everybody should follow me if you want good music, even if you Eric Alterman. Eric Altman, his latest book is Lying in State, Why Presidents Lie and Why Trump is Worse. It's published by Basic Books. Great pleasure talking with you today. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Lord. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Special thanks to producer Hugh Sansom, who prepared this segment. If you're just discovering this program and you like what you've been hearing, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're also available as an iTunes podcast. And you can also find links to all of our past shows on our website, LeonardLocatedLarge.com. And and if there's anything that you'd like to tell me about any of our shows, or if you simply like to say hello, you can reach me by email at leonardlopate at wbai.org. As I mentioned earlier, WBAI finds itself in a very difficult economic position right now because of the pandemic. So if you value this kind of informative, in-depth interview, the kind that we bring you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m., please go right now to our website, give to WBAI.org, or call 516-620-3602 to play your part in keeping this 100% listener-sponsored radio station coming to you on the New York City radio dial. We're powered by your generous support alone. And one last time, if you'd like to get a free copy of the book we've been discussing today, Eric Altman's Lying in State, Why Presidents Lie and Why Trump is Worse, you can get it by signing up to become a BAI buddy. We'd be happy to send it to you as our way of saying thanks for supporting the programming that we bring you every day on Leonard Lopate at Large. You can find out more at give2wbai.org or by calling 516-620-3602. And I hope you can join us again tomorrow when Jeff Hobbs will discuss his latest book, Show Them Your Good, A Portrait of Boys in the City of Angels the Year Before College. We'll see you then.